This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. It happens every night. Every old night. And I ain't never met a riverboat dealer that could ever be a friend of mine. Nope. Summer heat never treats me kind. It leaves trouble on my mind. So I'm bidding farewell, putting in my notice, and I'll see you at another time. Sing. This highway does not know my name, and I don't care who. Sure don't, not even kind of. Heading my way for another place, and I got three good tires and a spare. Right to the hook, right here. Just a white line gypsy getting out of Mississippi with just enough gas to get there. Low budgets. Live, the not-so-live variety from the low-budget live bar and grill here in beautiful southern Middle Tennessee. And this is the podcast for Monday, February the 19th, and I hope all you low-lifers are doing well out there. And if you're just tuning in for the first time and you think you just got insulted by being called a low-lifer, you did not. You did not. It's a term of endearment around these parts, and that's what the regulars, the listeners, the faithful, loyal crew of low budget live refer to themselves as low lifers and i'm a low lifer too so welcome one and all new and old low lifers it's uh freezing in the bar and grill right now in case y'all are wondering is absolutely i've got these like split air conditioning slash heat units out here and uh they suck they suck i wish i knew the brand so i could just say it but we've had them replaced a couple times worked on and uh, it it was like in the 20s last night in southern middle Tennessee. And it's cold up here. Uh, the, the old desk 
in the corner of the bar and grill here is is ice cold. And uh, I started to do this uh, like hoodie up this podcast <laughs> today because it ain't playing. It wasn't playing yesterday at that Alabama Bastriol Pickwick either. Goodness gracious. I fished uh, as I record this on Sunday. Of course, it was Saturday. I actually fished on Friday, got out on the boat. It was 60 degrees, man. It was beautiful. Got out for a few hours. And then old Mother Nature, there was a bass tournament. Actually, I put a video up on social media, the constants of tournament bass fishing. One is that you always have to get up ridiculously too early, and that's a that's a, a constant. The other is that the weather always sucks. <laughs> it just It's going to change. It's going to change. And went to bed. The front was coming through. Woke up to go down to Florence, Alabama. I got to stay here at the uh, at the Casa for this uh, kickoff for the Alabama Bass Trail North. And it was 29 degrees when I got in the truck to leave to go down there. And we had us a north wind, northwest all day. Never got out of really the upper 30s. Brutal out on the water. And the Alabama Bass Trail anglers absolutely mashed. They mashed on them. It took... The Robinsons came away with the dub, 28 pounds, 25 was second, 24 was third. There were like 11 or 12 bags over 20. Pickwick showed out on a terrible weather day, terrible weather day. And uh forget how many bags over 19, but it took like 16 to get a check. Insanity, insanity, two weeks in a row. The ABT South kickoff on Jordan was incredible. ABT North, so good to see that on the home pond. And uh, last year, the weights were kind of all over the place. You never knew what you were going to get on Pickwick. So good to see an event kick off that way at the start of the year. And so good to see so many faces. I saw so many low lifers. We had some Biloxi Blues references on stage yesterday at the weigh-in as I was freezing to death. And that uh, that that warms my heart, man. So the the Alabama Bass Trailers, I just want to say huge thank you because they're making me feel a part of the deal. And uh, so many people reaching out on social media about uh, what I'm doing there. And, and I appreciate it, man, because I had huge shoes to fill. And I take that job very serious. Miss Kay puts me, you know, puts her faith in me in that. And to be the voice of the Alabama Bastrail, man, I'm having so much fun doing that. So, uh, again, it all starts right here, I feel like, looking at this camera every week for years now and uh and i'm grateful for all these opportunities so gotta 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 say that for sure but they whacked on them uh i got to whack on a few friday like i said got a few bass a few crappy in the x21 got to uh stretch stretch the string out a little bit knock the uh rust and dust off of everything and and i'm back baby back on my back on my uh as the kids say back on my bull as the as the children say, missed it, missed it. That first old bit, I caught me the biggest one was like five pounds. He snatched snatched me old chatterbait up, and I said, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. "I remember what to do, jerk and reel, jerk and reel, jerk and reel." Love it, absolutely love it. Also, I got to go um, to the NWTF, the National Wild Turkey Federation sports show and, and convention on Thursday with some friends of mine. Too cool, man. I've never got to go to that. It's an hour and a half north. It's in Nashville, but I always have something going, I feel like. And I got to slide up there on Thursday, see my buddy Bo Brooks, Jim Ronquist, Brooke Richard, so many folks from the hunting industry saw some lowlifers. It was so much fun. Got to roam around up there, spend too much money on turkey calls, and uh, 
ready for turkey season now. It's still like two months away in Tennessee, but I am uh, I am so ready. Got to go to that. I would suggest if you are, and, and so many of y'all know all about that show, if you're into turkeys, it's amazing. Like it, it's, you know, going to the classic is cool when you're, you're uh, bass fishing obsessed like so many of us. But, dude, if you like hunting at all, whether it's deer, ducks, turkey, that show is freaking phenomenal, man. It is worth – it's at the Opryland Hotel Convention Center there in Nashville. It's a nice spot. Very cool. But I would highly, highly recommend checking that out at some point in life. So uh, so much fun if you've never gone. And I know so many of y'all have been, so many friends of mine go every year. But shame on me for missing that for all these years because it is epic. And listen, man, my, my buddy Bo Brooks – Y'all saw him on the show last year. He basically sounds like every animal under the sun. Uh, the the kid's got, and he's especially ducks and turkeys, he's got feathers, I'm pretty sure. But uh, he's got his new signature series lines of calls out, so I got to go go to the uh, Higdon Power Calls booth and, and pick me some of those up. His new diaphragm mouth calls for killing them turks. So cool to see that, man. He's a fine young man. Love me some Bo Brooks. Y'all go follow Bo Hunter. B-E-A-U Hunter 66, I believe, on Instagram. I think he does the TikToks and all that. But if you're into ducks, turkeys, like that dude is so dialed and uh, makes some great videos too. Bow hunting on YouTube. Go check him out. Go check him out. Uh, so, yeah, been a been a, uh, a really fun week. And, and now, and busy. You know, we're three weeks straight between MPFL, two ABTs, been running, man. And I got a couple weeks off, and then we're right back at it for the MPFL Championship then another ABT, then we got uh, the classic. So things are moving fast. Speaking of the classic, March the twenty third. Hang on a second. We gotta we gotta get. Uh, here we go. This is the right one. That's a that's the alert button. Alert. March twenty third at the Hunt Club. March twenty third at the Hunt Club downtown Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm putting together a band of heathens. We're going to do a live podcast. We're going to bring you some music, full band extravaganza, piecing it together. Got some very special guests coming, and we got some big announcements we're going to make that night about life, okay? Uh, A lot of folks reaching out like, what the hell are you doing now? You're unemployed. You work for IBT. You're doing MPFL. Doing a lot of things right now in life. A lot, a lot of things. And, uh, Things are going well. Things are going very well, and it's fun. But we're going to kind of put a bow on that March the 23rd. So be on the lookout. It's going to be some some things coming on social media. Lots of things happening in the world of this low lifer. So grateful for each and everything. But that night, we're going to celebrate together. We get together every year. And uh, except for the Hartwell Classic, because Greenville didn't want the, the low life live, 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 live. But we're going to do it big in Tulsa at the Hunt Club, and I'm telling you right now, you may think, oh, it's a month away. I ain't that worried about it. You better get there. I mean, I ain't saying go there now and get in line or anything, but, like, it's 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 going to be wild, and a lot of folks got left out. on the. They were on the outside looking in last year because it was so packed out. We, had, uh, we hit fire marshal code. We've done that every year, okay? I don't say that to be, like, you know, flex, I'm saying that so if you want to be there, we're going to kick things off like 7 p.m. You better get your ass there early <laughs> because it will fill up. 
in my opinion. I mean, and I, I hope that's the case again, but I'm just telling you, I would get there early to the hunt club and tell some thanks to the folks at the hunt club for allowing us to do that. Like, like I said, lots of special guests, lots of special guests and lots of, uh, man, I, it's a lot to put together, but man, it's going to be a fun, fun, fun night. And I can't wait. So, um, it's funny. I heard from my buddy Gussie, classic champ last year, Jeff Gustafson. He he texted me yesterday. He's like, man, I'm glad to see you're doing well. I was doing the ABT things, like so much fun to watch. And he said, I hope I'm fishing on Sunday, but if I'm not, I know where I'm going to be at LBL Live, Live, Live. Gussie did the first one ever with us in Birmingham. Deer, he qualified for the Elite. So shout out Gussie. And uh, I hope he's fishing, but I also hope he's with us on Saturday night. We got a lot of that. There's, <laughs> there's a lot of guys that want to be on the guest list, but they're in the classic. And they're like, man, if I don't catch them. So who knows how this thing's going to go, but. Uh, Really looking forward to getting out to Tulsa and uh, and rolling out the red carpet for all you low lifers. We're going to be doing giveaways that night. It's going to be good. So I'm rambling as usual. Uh, I got to say, last week when I was recording, huge, huge shout out to Drew Gill. I don't know Drew at all, um, but I've I've heard I've seen clips of him on other podcasts. Let's talk to Matt Pangrak from BTL about him. That young man is so unbelievably out of his mind good with forward facing and just finding bass in general. But the the kid's on another level and and go I think he did bass you. I'm gonna have him on the next couple of weeks. We he and I've been going back and forth about it. I am gonna do a pod with him because I'm so intrigued by the way he approaches everything. We're gonna we're gonna do one with him. Again, I know he's been doing the podcast roundup, but uh I, I gotta I gotta you know I gotta have a conversation with this dude. He he's gonna be around for a long time. Kind of piggybacking off of what we talked about last week this this youth movement you know and we talked to justin lucas about that last week and and it's certainly there we saw it again at the abt this week and i know we saw it at the bassmaster open this week out at uh lake washita we saw it at the toyota series there on gunnersville the youth movement is large and in charge right now and i get it you know the forward facing thing is going on but uh these guys just approach it different i think they they work harder it's it's wild it's really really wild to see and and i said i think to justin lucas last week and and a, and a friend of mine this week i remember being and i'm still obsessed with bass fishing i just don't have the time right like so many of y'all watching this i'm i'm busy i've got life and and kids and work and the triple threat you know cracking that whip all the time and uh i remember being that obsessed though and going all the time and and these it's like me on steroids though they're like i was the only kid around that age in our region that i saw it you know at tournaments there weren't a lot of people when i was 19 20 at these events around here and man now it's just like multiplied by a thousand and they're everywhere and they work hard they put in the time and uh they're getting it done man so shout out to drew i was recording last week as that final day was wrapping up so he he had a big comeback there at rayburn won the first invitational of the year i'd say it won't be the last tournament he wins this year he made a big push in the Toyota series over at Gunnersville. Crazy, man. Absolutely crazy. Speaking of crazy, speaking of, speaking of crazy, Scott Martin's video. If you haven't watched this, <laughs> if you haven't watched Scott Martin's video, I don't watch a ton of YouTube fishing videos. I, I Brandon Pollock, I'm all in. I watched a lot of Brandon stuff. 
uh, I mainly watch hunting stuff and like, to be honest, like stand up comedy on YouTube and podcasts and whatever. Don't watch a ton of fishing stuff. Like I watch some of Dustin Connell's every now and then I, I, I catch Scott stuff every now and then, but I, I do I, like my boys are super Brandon Polnick fans. We've talked about that a lot. So BP, I watch a lot of Polnick's videos. They're great. Kyle does a great job, but McCoy shout out to McCoy, uh, in the Scott Martin camp crushes it. But Scott Martin's record-breaking videos from the record-breaking open on Okeechobee, it's terrifying. It's, it's terrifying for a lot of reasons. It's terrifying how dialed he was. Because if you haven't watched it, please go watch it. Even if you stop watching this, go watch it if you love bass. Because it's stupid. I mean, dude, he's catching 9-12s and 7s. and nine, it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, but he's so dialed in the sea of boats. There's like 100 boats around him. On the first two days, he's just power poles in the, in the dirt. Yeah. Catching these big ones, man. But he is so calm. It's bizarre how calm this dude was. It was like before he ever rolled out, he was going to break the record before he made a cast, before he knew where he was going to get a bite. It's like all the stars were lining. It was, it's insane to watch how calm he is from before takeoff when he's catching these giants, like he's not freaking out. He's trying to be super sneaky around all the other boats and not just, you know, go crazy. It's great. It's great. So shout out, Scott. Go go watch it. It's uh it's obnoxious, to be honest. How many big ones, but but just that level of calm that he was is pretty damn cool to see. And uh and dude, he's a veteran. He's had wins at, you know, all over the place. So uh go check that one out for sure but something that happened in that video and this is actually why i started watching the video darian was telling me stupid dumb darian shout out stupid sweet tea dumb darian told me at the abt this week he's like bro have you watched scott's video i'm like i haven't seen it yet it's like well go watch it but during the first day of competition scott goes whoa look that co-angler over there brought live scope with him <laughs> and it doesn't he doesn't zoom in or anything because he's doing work but there's a co-hanger, and I've heard of this, but this just verifies it, that brought his own live scope rig for the back of the boat. <laughs> and here's what I want to say about that. It sucks, I'm sure, fishing behind somebody using live scope. Uh, the Washita Bass Open, there were not many co-hangers in it. I mean, I think 70 or less. It, it's definite, but I won't blame it completely on that. But I, but I do think, because they had a lot of them in Okeechobee. But I do think it is starting. It's starting to impact things on the co side. I would. I would say, I fished co angler many years. Got a win on the co angler side. You know, did well out of the back of the boat. When you're watching somebody uh, bed fish or parallel a bank or skip docks or ledge fish, and they pull up right on the goods and you can't cast to it, like it sucked. It sucked. Uh, you did what you could do, but I mean, if you're over a hundred feet of water all day long. 80 feet of water or whatever, and you're chasing a couple little dots running around out there, the guy in the front. I mean, I could see where it sucks, man. I get it. I get it. I, I fished behind dudes that were, that were, uh, you know, fishing, trying to fish suspended fish on bridges. Like, I, I've been in a lot of scenarios as a co-angler years ago, and I get it. But we are seeing those numbers, I, I feel like, in the open. It'd be, it'd be interesting to see how it goes the rest of the year in the opens. But this co-angler <laughs> had his own live scope rig. And for me, this is almost saying this is probably going to piss off a lot of co-anglers. If you sign up for an event as a co-angler, okay? If you sign up for an event as a co-angler, 
And that's the level you got to go to to make yourself feel like you're going to be competitive against the other co-anglers. Buy a damn boat. <laughs> like, buddy, I just – I get it, but then again – and I and I get that's three grand versus buying a boat and you're lugging around all your crap. And I'm just going to tell you straight up, like, I don't want you to put your damn live scope on the back deck of my boat. <laughs> like, I'm just not going to be cool with that. Where are you going to hook it up? They probably got their own battery rig. Like, I'm intrigued by it. Um, it's, it's, you know, I, I give them a round of applause for trying, but like if you that hard up to try to catch one, because the co-angler experience for me was about learning. Uh, it was about trying to qualify, you know, when I did through the FLW to qualify for a spot on the pro side, you could do that. Then there, it was about trying to qualify for the forest wood cup. It was about trying to win that co-angler of the year title, but it was about learning it was about learning different lakes. It was about seeing different techniques. It was about, you know, hell, making friends, dude. I made so many friends over the years. But I started at 16 as a co-angler in the in the Redman slash BFLs back then uh, when it was the old FLW Outdoors days, RIP FLW. But that's pretty damn crazy to me. Like, that's freaking wild that some co's are showing up and like, here's my gear, and they put it on the back deck. I mean, hey, man. Hats off to you for trying, but like, if you're going to go that hard in the paint, just get a damn boat, go to the bank, get you a 10%, you know, interest loan, <laughs> like whatever. But if like, you got to go bass fishing that bad, like to me, that just ain't what, that ain't what Cohen's about y'all. And, uh, but I, that blew my damn mind. And as, as this stuff becomes more and more prevalent though, these events that are forward facing dominated, I'm going to say we're going to see more of that, but. Uh, and I know there are probably some co-anglers angry typing at me. I'll do whatever I want to do. Uh, I had a co-angler one time. I can tell co-angler uh, horror stories for both my side of being in the back of the boat. I told a couple of those on BTL, but I can tell them from the other way too. Of when I fished the FLW tour and, and the Bassmaster opens Jesus, I have drawn some doozies over the years. I mean, you know, started fishing as a boater at like 18 and 19 and, and those kind of events and over, you know, off and on over the years, I, I I've got stories, but I had a guy one time on, uh, on Lake Cumberland in, uh, in a tour event and I was cracking them and he wasn't catching any. And, and it's like, I was kind of paralleling banks and I was giving him, you know, giving him enough to work with, to catch some. And he's like, he like slams his rod down. He says, you know what, man? Paid a lot of damn money to be here today. Now, listen, I was paying five grand entry fees. Just, we're just going to go there. I paid a lot of damn money to be here, and I can't believe you ain't putting me on no fish. Now, dude, now listen, I was catching them. I had a good bag that day and got paid up in the tournament over two days. But, but literally, old boy says, I can't believe you ain't putting me on no fish. And I just turned around and said, well, here's what your entry fee didn't get you, big guy. A guide trip. <laughs> this is still a competition. I'm competing against 150 dudes that also paid $5,000 that are going to smash my teeth in. Uh, that's what they woke up this morning wanting to do. So uh, I'm sorry you don't know how to catch a bass, but it's clear we're catching some. Uh, but I'll never forget that statement. I paid a lot of money for you to not put me on fish. And it'd be different if neither one of us were getting bites. Lord knows I had plenty of those days too. Just lost his last year's Easter egg out there. But on this day, they were biting my spinnerbait pretty damn good. Um, 
and he really sucked at catching them. I'll just say that. But uh, but I'll never forget that statement. So the co versus boger thing is very. Uh, it's always kind of tense, but man, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the hell out of it on both sides of it. Again, I made a lot of friends when I fished out of the front. I made friends when I fished as a co aimer. I had some great experience. I learned some really sneaky, cool stuff back in the day. And uh, I do think it's silly if you're bringing, if you're rolling up with live scope, that's kind of weird. <laughs> that's kind of weird. We got limits on rods and reels and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, but again, like what I just said, like what I just said about, having altercations with co's like happens they cast too far up there's always like this imaginary line but there's not like a actual tournament rule line so it's just tournament organizations kind of leave it to the pro and co to figure it out and there's arguments over gas money and there's arguments over so many things uh so there are probably a lot of factors that go into why co-angler numbers are slipping i don't know what they have to gain necessarily other than learning you know if you're not qualifying and they can win money obviously but uh it's it's just it's gonna be wild to see the next few years where all this is going i think justin lucas said that last week like i don't know i'm not for or against i don't know where we're headed we're headed somewhere i don't know where with all of this i mean i heard of people catching fish with forward facing on pickwick in ways that i would have never dreamed to be a reality at the alabama bass trail based on 35 i mean i started fishing pickwick when my dad was like five years old right really seriously at like 10 so call it 30 years on the tennessee river any chance i get and everything we think we know about how fish behave and what they do when the water does this and the temperature does that and the front does this and the blah 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 blah, blah and the current and the we know nothing we know nothing it's it's truly making us look like morons i think more and more and more um as some of these giant stringers are getting caught and just these crazy scenarios i never i never saw coming so i'm learning still again i had one of the first five or six on boats did the live scope launch for garmin and i did not realize that i truly had a weapon of mass destruction on the front of my boat and i missed the boat for several years not knowing what in the hell i had access to before the world woke up and, and all started doing it so crazy crazy times right now all right moving on i want to thank a couple of people and then we're going to jump into uh, a conversation i'm looking forward to today to say the very least we're going to start things off with gill fishing gillfishing.com is where you can use code lbl gift and when you use code lbl gift at gillfishing.com you are going to get a free gift. Just like it says, a free gift when you spend $100 or more at gillfishing.com. Get you a Fitzroy jacket. Get you. Get you a daggum. Get you a daggum rain suit. Get on there, gillfishing.com. I think I was a little late on my um, on my time there. Sorry, I'm trying to keep it concise for you guys. ProGuideBatteries, ProGuideBatteries.com. Seen a couple of you low-lifers tagging me in your ProGuide orders lately. You can use code LBL10 at ProGuideBatteries.com to get the best lithium batteries in the game from folks that have been in the battery business for many, many years. The AGMs are fantastic. The new lithium cranking batteries are fantastic. The lithium trolling motor batteries are fantastic. I've seen some people, like even yesterday at the ABT, having some issues in the cold weather with their lithiums. 
No issues here. ProGuyBatteries.com. Use code LBL10. Bait-Works.com. Bait-WRX.com. The exclusive online home for the LOB Power Finesse Jig with the three-aught trocar hook and seven finer-than-frog hair skirt. Custom skirts. I'm telling you, it gets lots of bites, but don't just take my word for it. Pick you some up, but also get many of the other goodies at bait-wrx, bait-works.com. Duncan-10 is where you're going to save money on everything on the site. Duncan-10 at bait-works.com. And last but not least, ladies and gentlemen, hang the banner. The Bassmaster Classic winning all-wielded aluminum bass boat it absolutely blows my mind every single day i get to go fishing in this thing 96 inch beam stable as they come fastest hole shot i've ever been a part of stupid dumb darian drove my boat yesterday and he said dude this thing is like a sports car it is so much fun to drive and uh i said i hate you but i appreciate that but uh it's like that every single time somebody gets in it so what i'm telling you is find a dealer go to a boat show this spring Go take a look. X19, the X21 Pro LE is what I'm running right now currently. Absolutely a beast. Tackle storage for days. It is so much fun to be in. And the express boats, they've been building them since 1966, building excitement there in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Expressboats.com. Find a dealer close to you. All right. Today's guest, today's guest is Mr. Bassmaster Elite Series, Bassmaster Live, Bassmaster Ron. Okay. He's Bassmaster Ron. He, I've known this young man. I've had him on a couple times. Always appreciate the conversations. He has worked his way, started from the bottom. Now he's here kind of deal, right? He was all but an intern at Bassmaster a few short years ago, and he has worked his freaking tail off to now be at the big boy desk co-hosting Bassmaster Live alongside the likes of a Tommy Sanders and a Mark Zona. He is pretty dang dialed on the details of bassing. And I want to have a conversation. we got the Bassmaster Elite back-to-back tournaments. We're going to Lita Bend and then Lake Fork to kick off their season. But I wanted to have a conversation with the one and only Ronnie Moore. All right, as promised, here he is, the man, the myth, the Ron from Bassmaster Live, Bassmaster Opens Live, Bassmaster Elite Series, Ronnie Moore. What's up, buddy? Thank you for joining. What's going on, man? Yeah, and normally it would be Saltwater Ron too, but I think because we've done we've done not we're doing nine extra events with the or six extra events with the opens for all all year that I got to stay freshwater Ron. I got to stay Ronnie Moore Bass. So uh, that's what we're gonna do this year. But thanks for having me on, man. It's always good. You got to stay tuned up in the bass world now, which you you stay pretty tuned up. Uh, I said that in the intro, bringing you on. I don't know many folks that are as dialed. Uh, you're obsessed with it like I am and like so many fans, but getting to make your career in it, dude, you stay on top of it. Like you, you won't, I don't think anybody can test your stat uh, game. Nobody can go up against Ronnie's stats, but man, two weeks coming up that are uh, kind of big in your life and then leading into the classic. So we got a lot of going, a lot going on. And that's when I reached out to you, I'm like, man, we've got back-to-back elites coming up. You've had two awesome opens. Like we got to catch up with Ronnie and kind of do a season preview for the elites and what you think and, and talk about some other things. So 
first things first, to lead a bend, is it going to be a forward-facing sonar fest like we saw with BPT? Are you hoping it's and, not? What, what, from your live desk, what do you hope? I, I think we have to put the asterisk. If there's a bass tournament with $100,000 on the line, forward-facing sonar will be incorporated to a certain extent. Yes. My designation on is it overwhelmingly dominating the event is as if it's like a forward sonar fest. Uh, I I think it's going to be a good mix. I really do think it's going to be a good mix because, um, yeah, the lows have been probably in the 40s in Louisiana, but the highs are in 70s, and it's been you know a little bit progression. The water level is a big key, in my opinion. I've been talking to Caleb Summerall, who has been more than gracious to keep me. I check up on him every week. I'm like, what's the number look like? Does it look good for you? And so, you know, he's been saying it's not full pool and it's not above full pool, but the water's high. And that's because it never gets to this portion. And so people might not understand, like, if full pool is, oh, I I think it's 173 or 163. It's one of those. So 163 or 173, if that's full pool, it's like a foot below that. But it's never that high at this point in the year or it hasn't been that high in a long time. And so a lot of overgrowth on the banks there. Uh, You're going to have, you know, warming shallow water. And the fish are already trending and progressing. I mean, when we can see the open at Washita, which is far north in Toledo, and you can see it one in less than 14 feet of water, you know, with moving baits, I feel like we could see by Championship Sunday in Toledo, somebody's throwing a frog, not just hoping, but expecting, you know. Man, now you, <laughs> you never that, know. You I, never know. But I mean, those fish will go on the bed down there. I mean, early. I mean, there, there have been fish caught off the bed on Rayburn and Toledo in late February, early March, many times. It just depends on how it sets up. And I, I've seen several guys, elite pros, post, you know, hey, with the next couple of weeks weather forecast, the way it's trended, both tournaments are probably going to be a slugfest, which I know, you know, when Dustin Connell won down there, they were they were they were smashing them of course they can weigh in every bass so it's hard to <laughs> it's hard to compare those weights sometimes like yeah 37 for 174 pounds i don't i can't do that math uh but i feel like uh there's a chance i think anytime you go to those two lakes that everything could come crashing down right like record wise five fish wise especially we saw a 38 pound bag in the rayburn invitational a couple of weeks ago like those, that chance for those 35-plus pound bags, which just sounds stupid coming out of my mouth, but it's they, they exist there, right? I mean, those two fisheries. Yeah, and, and I think, honestly, with the warming, with grass being present back at Toledo, with you know higher water levels, I think that – and with the five-fish format, we can – you know you can fight for whatever format you like, but with the five-fish format, the thing that it keeps in play is you're never actually out of it. In the last hour of the day, you could have zero and it takes five casts and you have 25 pounds and everyone at the way and cheers you on and you are sweating bullets. So the fact is, if you are a spinnerbaiter, a chatterbaiter, square biller, lipless, hybrid hunter, whatever you want to do, those fish don't have to bite early without you feeling like you're behind. Like you can catch a six pounder every hour and still be on par with people at the end of the day. And so I think that that allows shallow water to be a deal. Let's face it, last year, there was forward-facing sonar, you know, winners in a lot of our events. But if you look at Okeechobee, it was Tyler Rivette. The weights were close behind him, and no one else was doing it. I think Steve Kennedy was bored of catching seven-pounders, so he turned on perspective mode just to look. <laughs> and then, you know, you see Seminole. You have two or three in the top ten. Joey wins. Uh, I don't think it was forward-facing sonar for that reason. I think it was that no one else was fishing with him at the mouth of Spring Creek somehow. Million I think percent. that's more of a deal. Yeah. 
Then you've got Santee Cooper. You know, Luke Palmer dominates and wins that, but no one else in the top 10 necessarily needed it to do what they were doing. So I think that you will see people winning with it, but do you need it to survive and win, uh, to, to get a check or to make cuts? I don't think so, especially with some of our schedules. The timber, the timber bites at Toledo and Fork will definitely be a deal, so there will be people doing that. Um, but Toledo is much different than Fork. Toledo is huge. Yeah. So you could do you could do that in patches of timber for a couple of days of practice and a couple of days of a tournament without overwhelmingly pressuring fish. At Fork, you have 150 boats out there that aren't in the elite event. So when you add 100 in there for a couple more days, everyone starts scoping the same groups of trees. Those fish may not do what they're supposed to do on day one and day two and day three of the event that they were doing in practice. It might be a bunch of, I was catching tens and now I've, I'm catching fours and I'm behind. So I think that, and it only takes a few days in the South. You get, you know, it could be cold on Monday and, and it could be 75 sustained on Thursday and they're totally different. So I, I really do expect a good variety and a mix. Um, I think Fork's even high or at least full pool. Like I think I talked to Livesey and he said that. We talked about a whole bunch on the phone, but I think he at least, he at least said that. <laughs> <Not Lee. laughs> so uh, I'm really excited for the season, and we do. We kick it off. We we did a soft open. You know, we got a soft season open with Okeechobee. Yeah. You, got a, you got a week off, and then you've got an open, two elites, and another open, and then we'll have a few weeks before the Classic. So five events in six weeks. And we will have three opens and two elites under our belt. Man, and yeah, I love that soft open. No big deal. I was actually, I said at the first of the show, I watched Scott's video this morning on YouTube of the record break. It was just bananas. Like that entire thing, he's in the middle of a hundred boats and it's just, oh, there's another nine. There's a seven. It was incredible to watch. Uh, and I know you guys had fireworks on live. I was doing MPFL live. We talked about that a little earlier. I missed. I, didn't I might have been peeking at the leaderboard. Some yeah, of my boys were up there. My AOI pick for the MPFL was up there and fell on day three. So I was bummed. But, but, you know, we, were, we, we had some some guys, you know, some names up there. Yeah, we were we were texting uh, a little bit about DW, David Williams. Shout out, Dave. He, uh, he had a rough day three, uncharacteristic for him. That's normally when he shows up, I feel like, even more. It's once he starts getting dialed, that's what makes him dangerous. Uh, but it was just Will Harkin's week, man, all the way around. That kid is special. Uh, <laughs> do, do the Harky. <laughs> I don't know if you know him or not, Ron, but don't, he's not mad at you because he hates that fact that I do that to him. <laughs> he, last year, he's like, what is it? Why are you saying? this and i'm like we're idiots i don't know it's fun it's fun to if see. you if you do something on camera in fishing yes no one will forget it That's i've right. done things at the screen of knowledge i've said things on on espn back yes, in the have. day yes you have that hang yes, with me have. forever so it's fine um you know it'll be what it'll be <laughs> those clips those clips resurface from time to time so right and i'm if sure you still have a job then they still want you around so i'm good yeah, as long as you don't get fired. I actually uh have, have you ever had, I'll say this. I know you you have a slip of the tongue every now and then. You and I have had those. Uh, but have you ever had a hot mic situation? Have you ever had oh you were off and then I had a I had a hot mic situation with Zone Alive one time when I was walking the oh. banks in Michigan and there was some big ones spawning and they were they were in a canal. And so I got out of the boat so I didn't follow them with the camera boat. And so I walked around the canal in the back of people's yards, scoping out some other big ones on bed. And I, I remember looking down at Z and this was like pre COVID. I looked down at one and saw like a six pound Michigan largemouth on bed. And I was like, Z 
freaking giant and it wasn't a it wasn't freaking but it was a giant and i was hot mic'd and i was like i kind of touched my chest like i was taken aback and i was like dude was i live was i and i text the was i hot right there because i totally just and they said yes you were yeah i was for those watching at home uh obviously we we can control what comes out of our mouth we try to but there are other people that control the microphone sometimes and what goes out and what doesn't. You can turn off your mic pack, but when you're doing live coverage, there's always a mic somewhere open. Your mic's off, but someone's mic's someone's open. Someone's mic's open. So you got to be careful. In fact, Cat and I have a couple times ran into that. Uh, my buddy Darian during an Alabama Bash Trail last year. <laughs> this is my favorite. They did, he did not know he was hot at all, and he made fun of a sponsor's commercial. <laughs> <laughs> and and then Kay hired him full time this year, along with myself. I had one at the ABT at Jordan. See, some people just fail upwards. <laughs> yes, yes. You get fired up sometimes. You quit and you move up in life. Uh, but that happened. And then uh, at to Darian. And then last weekend, I had a similar incident in MPFL. I won't I won't tell the full story on that one uh, because I never got in trouble and they might not have caught it. But at the ABT last weekend, and this was pretty innocent. I have to do call out the boat numbers and they have a uh, camera op with me there and we do it. And, and people love that by the way, Ronnie, oh, they, no they, they don't get to watch. see a takeoff. Yeah. yeah, they, yeah they, the, the, the numbers are so high at MPFL and ABT. When we do those, I'm mind blown. And all I'm doing is just calling the boat numbers out. It's the only time forward facing sonar is not a part of the only time they can't complain other than me butchering names. But, uh, but, I did not know they were – we ended blast off the tournament director, John Simpson. He turns around to me. He's like, hey, great job, man. That was a good pace, blah, blah, okay. Because I'm feeling my way through it, you know, calling 225 teams. It's a lot. So, John turns around. He's like, yeah, man. Well, I felt like I was slow at times and fast at times and then slow and then fast. But that's a story of my life, like making some kind of cheesy dad joke. And literally, director in my ear, Luke, you're still hot. Luke, you are still hot. I repeat, you are still hot. And I'm like – Cool. It's not it's never the it's never the panic from the truck of what's been said. It's that if they've said that, what's yeah, next? Like yeah, you're yeah. like, I'm okay that you said it, but don't hey, 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 somebody get him, somebody get his attention. Like, yes. wave, wave, wave. Yeah, you know, what's he gonna do now? Because they know me off camera, they know what I'm capable of. I think Tommy and Z told me a story of back way in the ESPN days before live, like way like like single digit two thousand years, you know, something. And it was uh they were like, yeah, dude, this producer doesn't know what he's doing. And he's like, <laughs> this guy was like, hey, guys, uh, you guys ready to do this segment? And they're like, yeah, we're, we're good. We're ready to go. <laughs> and so they all kind of were like, oh, we just realized uh, we've been heard. Um, but no, and uh, Mike McKinnis has done it. I've been at the screen of knowledge and the camera's pointed at me, but I, I'm not live yet. And he's just in my ear and and I'm like, just. I can't say anything because my mic is live. Of course, you know? yes, you can't so answer. Like, yeah, yeah. He's like, "Hey, can you do this as a screen?" I'm like, "I'm like, give me one second. I'm doing it. I'm doing it." And then he's like, and then whenever he's like, "No, no, no, scrap it." And then I'm like, throw my hands up. He's like, "I can see that you're visibly angry with me, Ronnie." And like he says that to me in my ear, and I'm like, <laughs> "Thumbs up." They'll Thank watch. <laughs> they'll watch me through the glass and and Fat Cat, and we'll be like writing each other notes. Oh yeah, what's going? And they're like. What's going on in there, guys? And I'm like, nothing. Like a wave, you know. <laughs> the parents don't need to know what the siblings are saying. Exactly. exactly. Sometimes they do not. Sometimes. But I will say, the first two or three years, or the last, you know, two, three, four years, uh, Ricky, our audio tech, our audio engineer, 
he's uh, I've ragged on him pretty hard. He's he's about the only person at JM that's the same age as me or just a little younger. So I rag on him pretty hard. And the last two or three years, I'm like, you know what? I appreciate you. And he's like, there's a butt coming. And I'm like, there's no butt. I appreciate you because you keep me employed. You pull my mic down. Like I trust my, my trust is in you, Ricky, when we're doing this show. So I appreciate you. And I hope this is interesting for the low lifers. Listen, because it is an amount of trust that you do put in who has your who has your back on that. When we go to commercial and and, and we're like, because sometimes maybe somebody did something silly on camera right before we went. We're like, what the hell is this guy thinking? Why is he throwing a you know jitterbug or whatever? Like, in fact, and I have a conversation, you just pray that that's not going out for his family to hear sometimes. Yeah, you do one of those reads and you're like, that's number five for so-and-so. And he thinks he can win. And we go to commercial break and you're like, he ain't got no shot, you know? <laughs> It's it all, dude. <laughs> You're trying to build the drama of the story. <laughs> Such did it one time. I'll say so. When we did live mix for the first time ever, we were like, there maybe needs to be somebody at least guiding the action because you could just tune in, have no idea, yeah. perspective, yeah. what's going on. So we would swap seats and somebody would be on live, the other one would be upstairs just doing live mix. The first year we did it. Well, I'm in, the, I'm at the desk right now. It's a big, big, heavy duty desk. The chair we had up there. Obviously, I weigh less than Such. So when I sit down, you know, I like I need it, you know, like it's not gonna lower as far as right. it is. Well, he went to sit down in there and he's doing it, and, and it's obviously tighter to the top of the deal. And they say you're out. And he goes to step away for commercial for a second and stands up. And when he does, the seat jumps up and it smashes his fingers under the desk. Oh, no, 20 seconds into commercial, and he goes. He drops an MF and was so <laughs> mad. And like three dudes at the classic come up and they're like, Suits, remember when you cussed on live mix? And he's like, ha, ha, ha. You know, and he's like getting fired up because these guys still think it's hilarious. And we're like, dude, <laughs> we get betrayed by your sound guys. You know, you, you start to take it to heart. But no. You must have given the, the sound guy a hard time too, like, like you do. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of production, so obviously four face and sonar is just every what's all we talk about day in and day out and it's all the fans talk about so from a viewership perspective uh and you and i talked after mpfl late last year we kind of started messing with showing it a little bit you guys have done it at the classic with gussie some we've seen mlf roll it out uh you guys at washtaw and jeremiah kendy he was winding around a crankbait old school fishing now we have to call it that uh but yeah which is bizarre to me but that is what i say all the time on live old school but you guys you threw up some uh picture in picture stuff so i, I guess for the for, for the fans that don't understand like we pulled back the curtain a little bit on this hot mic stuff telling some behind the scenes <laughs> stories but from a production company because you're there with jm and associates just like i'm working with the fixed tv guys up in up in wisconsin is it a focus for you guys? I mean, you're, you're listening to the people right there that are like, this is impossible to watch or this is terrible. How many conversations are you guys or have you guys had this offseason about this one topic, these three dangerous letters in bass fishing? I'll say, which also stand for something hilarious if it's not forward. What it used to stand for is not forward-facing sonar, but you can figure that out in the thesaurus and look it up. But um, <laughs> I'll say we haven't given in to the gripes. You know, like it's like somebody's like, I'm going to complain and they're going to do something about it. Just because we do something about it isn't because you complained. It's because we now see as like not to toot our own horn, the, the first 
league that did live, you know, like, and then we did backpacks and we did different cell boosters and we're trying to do more stuff. We're trying to show graphs that last year we were trying it and we were kind of handcuffed with how many anglers have units capable of doing this without us hiring out a full tech team, which you happen to have one of your best MPFL anglers is the tech team that I rely on and, and bounce ideas. Yeah. Like it's, it's helpful that he, he knows that. And so it's been more of a desire to incorporate it. And, and one thing I'll say, you know, it's not like an industry trade secret, but like I told Chase Anderson, this and Mike McKinnis, I've told people that like, I grew up watching Bassmaster and we are the best at teaching fishing, teaching fishing, whether it's the magazine, Bass Life, we have taught people how to fish and how to fish better for years and then when the split happened, it became an entertainment competition of we have to show off how many big fish we catch and we have to show off every single four pounder and we can't take a breath. And we're this catch to that catch to this. That's jump, you know, jump, 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 jump. Yeah. Yeah. Because the other league is is all about how many they catch. And so they're just it's the war of attrition. We're showing, 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 and we're speeding ourselves up and we don't get to take the time to come in and see Jerry McKinnis moving, you know, you know, printed off dots on the screen showing where people are on the lake old school wise. Cause we have Google earth with GPS tracking. We don't need that. Old, but that was our way of pausing and coming in to teach and Zona would smash the invisible hologram crank yeah, yeah, down yeah. into the desk. And we did the underwater animations and, and taking the time to teach people. And so I said, we got to treat it like it's 1979 or 1985. And these people don't know as much about fishing as they do and use the forward facing as a teaching tool and not as a cheat code. And so now trying to incorporate, you know, as many anglers as possible, we don't want it to just be like, Oh, if you run this one brand, you're going to get more TV time and you're going to get your graph shown off or whatever. Like we know that there are multiple ways of, of eating an elephant and we're trying to show all those ways. And so some of it tech wise is difficult two of the manufacturers i've got it down pat on what they need or or yeah what the what the angler needs and how we show it the third one i gotta do morse code and an Rubik's cube and then and to to figure out how to get it live and that's oh, not a on, yeah like i'm task manager bar up here and my my cpu is not computing as i'm trying to figure out what's the easiest way to do this at 5 a.m on a tournament takeoff when we throw a camera guy in a boat and we're like you got 30 minutes and it's 12 degrees plug in these three cords don't cross any wires and let's see what it looks like you know and, and then obviously you hit a wave out there and now the graph looks different so yes we're not I am of anyone in the fishing industry. I see all the comments. I respond to half of them. Uh, I delete some of them. And, <laughs> and, uh, and so, uh, especially on YouTube, you know, it's just like, you know, we, we try and experiment with things and people are like, Oh, I see a guy's head down. I'm not, I'm not watching. And he might even be checking the temperature. He's looking down to see what water temperature he's in. What depth he is. He's looking at the. Yeah, I got to check. And and they're just like, you know, heck with it. When we threw up four boxes this week of a spinnerbaiter and dirty water, a lipless in the bottom left, got a guy scoping over hydrilla. We got a guy scoping in the trees. I don't have forward facing sonar. I don't fish anymore. I'm trying to sell my boat. 
Uh, and when I say trying to, like, I haven't posted it. I haven't told anybody, but like, call Ronnie. I, I need to sell my boat because I don't fish. I'd rather be home with my daughter and my wife right now at this stage of the life. But I see the value in forward facing sonar. I was able to speed crank a plug over a boulder in Malax with Josh Douglas and watch one come up and eat my crankbait. Freaking cool. And I'm a chatterbaiter in the dirt. I'm a, I'm a flipping in the bushes. I'm going up the river knowing I'm going to get three bites, but hoping I get five and I'm okay with that. Like that's what, that's my style. Mm-hmm. That's how I did it in college. That's what I do. But I see the value in it. We had a 10, 14 weight in at Washita. Yes, sir. Shout out Zach. Yeah. Gutramont. Little, little, little honey bun is what he's known as to the low lifers. It's a long story. If you missed that's the Trey Swindle episode, he's honey bun junior, but shout it's, out Zach. It's dynamic. You know, forward facing sonar took a 40,000 acre, Lake Washita, and instead of going up the river or fishing the bank, there's all this giant water in the middle of the lake with timber and points and islands and humps that were rarely explored. And now we get the opportunity to see a 10 pounder, you know. And, and what was funny was Evan Kung caught a 914, Zach caught a 1014. And I, I learned something not many people in the top 10 weighed in spotted bass at Washita. They were largemouth fishing or catching largemouth, but the guys who weighed in spotted bass on the final day or throughout the week were guys who also had like an eight to 10 pounder, which told me that wherever these spotted bass are and whatever style they're fishing for these bites, it's not gung-ho easy because they would have caught all largemouth. They're catching spots and they're catching 12 to 13, 14 inch spots and then a 10 pounder. So the way some of these giants may relate, they might've been eating spotted bass. I don't know. But sounds like it, but it's different. It's, it's teaching me more perspective mode taught me, you know, more at, at, at Okeechobee. I don't even think we don't even have to talk about that. I'll cut you off. We don't have to talk about that. What perspective mode? (laughs) Just because people are not on board yet. And it's wild apparently. (laughs) Well, it's yeah. It's just a a more efficient, shallow water forward facing, but incredible. We got to see a nine pounder swimming around on Scott's perspective mode that he catches 30 minutes later. And he might not have caught it without it, but he, what he would have done, and I'll say he didn't win Okeechobee because of forward facing sonar. No, not at all. He won Okeechobee because he knows when I'm in a crowd, I got to fish a little deeper than they would because, you know, the desired place for spawners. So all of the fish are going to go up there and spawn in shallower water. They got to swim much farther with the higher water levels. But because there's some structure on the edge, maybe they'll spawn around it. I need to be patient and fish on the outer edge of people. And then his graph confirmed that. But but it's his local knowledge. It's it's 45 years on Okeechobee, and so yeah, and, and I think we just nullify. And I think our anglers got to be better. I told him I told him at the weigh-in. I told Stetson it on live yesterday. I get there's pressure to get higher deals with sponsors. Stop saying I wouldn't have caught my fish today without. Garmin Live Scope or Lawrence Active Target or Humminbird Mega Live. Stop saying that. You would have caught fish. You might you might not have caught two the two pounds more that you caught. You might not have caught 27. You would have caught 25 because you know what you're doing. Stop attributing all your success to the graph. You just know how to use it to be more successful. So I said, just change it. I caught a lot of my fish and it was helpful to have this. Not I wouldn't have caught them without it. Unless you're over 150 feet of water and dangling your minnow in 82, you probably would have caught them or figured out a way to catch them. Well, and I think what what 
Sorry, I talked with my hands. <laughs> no, uh, me, me and you both. We're good at that. Uh, but for me, that's my, the most frustrating thing. For And you're never going to change people's minds for the most part. But the, oh, you're not a pro if you've got that. Like, <laughs> these dudes are going to catch them if you remove everything from their boat. They all have gills. Like, understand that. You are stupid if you think that's the case. Does it make them more dangerous? Absolutely. Especially the ones that are very dialed. And there are, because they all have it. But very, but I say this all the time. There's not a hundred way tie for first place and they all have it and they're all incredible, but there are certain ones that are a lot more incredible than the others at it that have fine tuning. And it's no different than Denny Brower being this much better or this much better at flipping a jig back in the day, or David Fritz being able to find isolated structure and get those fish to bite on a crankbait or what the runs we saw KVD go on. Like there's a separation amongst the pro ranks and it but again if you took that off of lee livesey's boat guess what bad dude he's a bad dude if you take it off of patrick walter's boat he's still a bad bad man he jumped on that bandwagon quicker than a lot of people will some guys in the 80s finish in the 40s make some classics for sure yeah will we see an unskilled angler win aoy not a shot at all not a shot at all Um, I, I'll say this. We talked to Rick Clun. So if you are an old school guy, I respect it. I love fishing your style, but I've tried to think about this and, and put myself in 40 years ago, before, you know, as negative 10 years old, like what it was like, or, you know, whatever I asked Rick because he has nothing to prove, no reason to learn. He can tie 20 pound mono to a spinnerbait and fish every tournament this year. And he gets a pass. We love Rick. He's been around forever. He's earned that right. He is an OGer. And as an OGer, he still desires to learn, and he knows the value of learning with forward-facing sonar. So I got to talk to him in studio for the cast. You know, the old the school. Oh, yeah, amazing, amazing. We got season two's coming, so we got we had seven more. You know, probably maybe eight, ten more shows, whatever. And those who missed the cut for this year may be a part of season three. This is just something that's valuable that we see a need for. We interviewed him the other day, and I asked him. I said, "So when a guy like Fritz started to excel because he understood the flasher more." than others and got offshore and cranked spots differently or better or more because of it were people apprehensive and was there like panic or fear or like we need to get rid of the flashers stuff like that he said absolutely there was and i also then i thought of it on, a, on another part no one's ever out no one's ever tried to outlaw a jig so don't think i'm saying this and try to cut me a sound clip out of here or sound bite oh it's happening but with jig fishing it's just like forward facing sonar let me finish when Denny was catching them on a jig and others weren't, everyone started to pick up a jig and they had to learn the value of a jig. It's not that everyone desires to do forward-facing sonar now. They have seen the effectiveness of it, so everyone at the top level has to try it and do it. You'd be dumb to leave the dock without a jig in the 90s, early 2000s. You'd be dumb to leave the dock without a jig now. Mm-hmm. But now if you leave the dock without forward-facing sonar of any kind that is good enough for you to read. Some guys need it perfect to see it. Some guys need just enough to understand. Whatever it is, if you leave the dock without it, you're probably not fishing to win AOI because the guys who were just as good as you in the past are using it, and it may get them a bite or two extra. It may dominate a tournament for them. They may learn something about their jig game and the way fish align on some water willow edges that they did not know pre that. So 
just like a jig when it's hot, when a bait is hot, a bait is hot. If you didn't have a jackhammer in your hand a few years ago, what are you doing? So same thing. If you don't, the sheer panic of rigging boats now is I got to make sure I'm equipped to compete and I'm not without at 12 o'clock on a day two, I don't run back to the ramp and get one installed. I've got it just in case. Do you think it's going too far from a level of guy? I was at, I was at Trent Palmer shop at Sonar pros and there's an elite series pro and I'll, I'll, he'll remain unnamed, but he's got like 17, <laughs> like there are boxes everywhere. I'm like, okay, I love it. I do love it. I, I love watching them eat my bait. I love learning. Like you said, I've learned so much. Uh, I talked about that at the first of this show. We learned just in the Alabama Bass Trail this weekend at Pickwick that the bass don't always do what we have always thought they do in certain water temperature, water condition situations on the Tennessee River. I grew up there. Mind was blown this weekend. Absolute mind-blowing talking to the anglers that caught bags over 20 pounds. A lot of them got caught in ways that 10 years ago I'd have been like, they ain't out there. Stupid. What's that idiot doing out there in the middle? of the river when it's 115,000 cubic feet per second, they're not out there. They're on the bank. They're getting behind something. No, no, no. They're drifting around out there in the middle, catching them suspended. Like blew my mind, dude. blew my mind. So, but, but do you think, do you think it's too much and that we should limit it from a tournament's perspective? Uh, you know, I, I, they haven't told us to stay anonymous. Like I'm a, I'm a part of the, you know, Bass said that they informed a committee for forward-facing sonar to dive into it, and there's a lot of intelligent people upon it. And I, I, I'm not one of the intelligent people, but I'm there to like help facilitate. So we're trying to do it the correct way. We don't want to just outlaw forward-facing sonar out of fear, like the Elite Series vote, you know, amongst the anglers did with the A rig. You know, like that—that that was an Elite Series prompted angler vote that outlawed the A-Rig. It wasn't big, bad bass doing it and destroying right, it. Right, right. But I did tell Chase, you know, that we have an obligation to the industry that what we do, everyone else will follow to a certain extent. Everyone else will follow. If we ban something, we could cripple our industry. The money that's generated could go down. Um, You could have just, it, it could it could be real divisive and it could be divisive with it, but divisive without it could be people drawing lines and people stepping away, whatever. And so I said, we just need to be a more of a tortoise than a hare on this and take our time, make sure we do our due diligence. And at the end of the time, we can be happy with the decision we come to. With all that said, personally, I don't think we can scale back the technology because there's more coming probably. <laughs> Buddy. It's the amount. It's the amount. I don't see how, and I hope to learn, how two transducers for live on the back of your boat will up the game on the front of the boat for you. I feel like I get scanning quicker, all those things, seeing fit. I get it. I get it. I get it. But we can do that same job on the front until it takes 200 pounds to win a tournament. And it used to take a hundred. That's a little drastic. Maybe. So maybe, maybe just limit it to what's on the trolling motor. Maybe you can only have two transducers. We're going to have six in one transducers in 2025 and hover cars as well. So do we really need yeah, and so I think we need to consider safety, you know, how, how many graphs are at the back. You know, I, I've this is just not BASS. This is Ronnie Moore, just my thought. I don't see a problem with having four total graphs on your boat, 
whether it's two in the back, two up front, one in the back, three up front, four total graphs, two transducers on your front trolling motor, and you're good. I, got, I could see you have both views that you want for live. You can have 360 up there as a part of your dealio um, if you want. And, and then you got one graph in the back. If you don't want 360, if you don't want live, you can configure it how you want, but you're limited to four graphs because when you get four graphs at the console, we got to start thinking about those who are watching us and if they're going to follow suit. And I, I said this analogy, it's a little different, but I'm a man of analogies and a man of sports. LeBron James trains every single day, five or six hours a day because he is a professional basketball player and he is paid to be the best of the best. I played high school basketball and we practiced every other day, few hours each afternoon, and I went to school. If I were to quit school and practice basketball every single day for my team, because that's what LeBron does, people would think I was crazy because I am not to the level. I'm not in the organization he is. I'm high school. There's college. There's there's NBA. You know, there's BFLs and Toyota Series Opens, Elite Series. It's one of those deals where I think that our BFL anglers, our ABA anglers, our ABT anglers, guys who are fishing for good money around their house and want to win are now adding the same boat setups that Elite Series pros are doing when they're competing for their livelihood. If you're fishing a local trail, you've got money in coming elsewhere. These Elite Series pros are fishing for their life and their money. So I feel like we're seeing high school boats, BFL boats that look like Elite Series boats. We need to do that. Name that boat. What, what series does this angler fish based on their setup? And I got a feeling that it would be like hard to nail down who was on the elites or not. I, I basically said, like, I'd love to take a photo of some BFL anglers or high school angler boats and then put elite boats and see if we can tell which one fishes the elite series, like based on their graph setups and I, how I don't think it would be as easy as we, as we think, like, you know, <laughs> that's the problem. It's not the elites using it. It's that everybody else feels they got to follow. Everybody using yeah. it. It's everybody yeah. using it. And on that note, I'll let you, 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 that was the point you were making when my equipment went through. <laughs> Ronnie Moore, welcome back to LPL. I don't know. Listen, In summation. Yeah. So <laughs> low budget live is always crazy. As you know, you've been here to the bar and grill. There's a lot going on here today. And uh, yeah, my computer decided it did not like the Ford facing sonar conversation and completely. You need, you, need a, you need a sonar pros wiring harness for that. I mean, thing. I need Trent Palmer to come rig out the bar and grill with some sonar pros harnesses. Indeed. Uh, shout out Trent Palmer, but no, you're right. It, it is. It is. And I think, I think a lot of the hate and then we'll move on from this craziness of forward pacing sonar. But I, I think the hate that comes from it is people that are uneducated about what it does. They don't feel like it's accessible to them for one reason or another. And I, and I understand Cost, like, too expensive, sure. I get it. I get I it. don't have it. I don't very know, expensive. For that reason. Very, very, very expensive. Uh, so I get it. And I paid for mine, right? Like, uh, like I'm not just <laughs> one of these dudes people send it to. Like, I, I bought mine and it's very expensive. All but all so our trolling motors, so like the whole deal now, where we've gotten, we we are it's a little inclusive. Like, I do understand where that comes from. So our chatterbase. So, <laughs> everything right lie like everything every gross so it's those milk right and eggs like it's, especially when when your wife doesn't <laughs> trust the government like i don't and milk's more expensive when it's not pasteurized you know i'm just kidding exactly. I'm just, when it's when it's the real form of it it's ten dollars for a gallon yeah when the when the 
chemical versions for. I don't understand. So yeah, now listen, dude. It's uh, <laughs> everything though. The cost of living is is way high. Uh, but I but I get that. But I think that um, it is. I think it's a jealousy thing too, right? I do. I think it's if you feel left out, you feel like you're out in the you know in the cheap seats looking in. Sometimes I feel like that causes you to get a little heavy in the fingers. And I think we could all be guilty of that at one time or another, right? But I think that's where that overwhelming. And then you're showing these guys when we show live, whether it's MPFL, BPT, you guys, um, you show them just whacking them. They're just catching them. And if you're on the couch and you don't have a bass boat in the yard or in the garage or whatever, and you're like, These, ah! it, it, it triggers people. Like, it really does. We live in a triggered society, and I think that's a lot of it. I also think the squeaky wheels tend to be the loudest. I think we know that because I think uh, you're never going to reveal Bassmaster numbers on LBL, uh, and I would not suggest that. But I would say that you guys are probably okay. Just like MPFL, we had our – best numbers we've ever had at logan martin and we had a mix of old school fishing and In our best opens live we've ever had for uh okeechobee the yep. way the way viewership goes it's not i don't want to watch this tournament so i'm not going to watch it is january february march april there's a lot less going on so it's here we're excited for the season it gets warm you get to go to the beach, you know. I know, I know you're a Orange Beach I'm fool. Beach. I'm a Myrtle Beach kid yeah. from back in the day, Daytona Beach. You get the summer, you go on family vacations, kids are out of school, you can go do things, you can actually go outside and not shiver to death. Go fishing on your own. It starts to go down a little bit, go boating on the weekends when we're live. And then we get to college football season at the end of our deal, NFL, whatever. We're also live at the same times or just before them. Every single year, the last two to three events of the season are always lower than the beginning. It's not because they're smallmouth. It's not because of this. It's always lower. And um, there's a couple of reasons for that, like we just mentioned. But it doesn't help when people are like, oh, I've got better things to do. And there's 10 guys in the top 10 all using forward facing up north for smallmouth. I get it. I would love to. I told I want to go into the fall. I got to see live last year for the opens in the fall. There was forward facing, but it was finding my football jig on a brush pile. It was not Demiki right mm -hmm. I got hope and faith that we'll see big baits and jerk baits play on live and not just Demiki baits when we go to these big fish places and you're fishing for five. That's the thing with our format. We still accentuate an eight to 10 pounder. Other formats, if it takes and you catch a 10 pounder, but it took you an hour to fish for it. You could have caught four three-pounders, and that is actually king because three times four is 12, and 10 times one is 10. So with five fish, I still think I think that our styles, we don't have to just do jighead minnow. We will see it plenty. And that's not throwing shade to others. That's just the strategy involved with it. So I, I think that there's a, a couple of variables. And the second one is so we're not scared of viewership that that we're not blind to it. We still consider, make sure that we have good viewership. So we're not, we're not disregarding that. We want to be heard that you guys don't like watching this, but I also, you don't like guys heads down with just their back and their quiet fishing. So we put up a unit shot, two thirds of the screen yesterday, and they're the sliver, basically adjusting the sliver for how wide or skinny that person is showing them standing there fishing. And I get a comment that says, Two thirds of the screen's a bit much for the for the unit. 
We want to see the guy fishing. I thought you guys didn't want to see the guy. So yeah, you're danged if you do, danged if you don't lose no situation. So we're going to do what's best for us and our production, but we're hoping to use it to teach. The second part is when we had 45 minute TV shows exclusively, a guy could catch 50 fish in a day. We'd show his best three or four. When he'd catch six fish in a day, we'd show his best three or four. Now we're showing you 28 hours of live through four days and you're getting live overload you're seeing so much of it that you're getting weary of it not that live numbers are going because people don't want to watch live it's that you've now seen it you can deal with a 45 minute tv show where we have forward facing sonar featured you do it for 28 hours you want to put a drill through your head and so don't do that i advise you not to do that when you get frustrated just come to the youtube comments and tell me how frustrated you are it's just but that's the real thing either one everything's more one. it's just you, simple just not to get in the comments and tell us what you like tell us what you like they're like i love that he's throwing a lipless crankbait unlike those punk kids throwing forward facing so just tell us that you like he's throwing that a lipless piece let of me garbage. know, let I, me know. I, I don't i don't understand I so, <laughs> the other problem we're dealing with is that all of the older generation have been saying we need to grow the sport grow the sport grow the sport and that means younger anglers college fishing high school fishing we have gotten so many people doing that that they're they're coming in droves to qualify for the elite series and they're coming in droves to fish the MPFL and they're doing that and they're the ones who grew up with this technology so now it's i hate these young kids using technology you prayed to grow the sport through the young kids and now you're mad at them because they take your lunch money so there's and my there's how, my diatribe like and it's and it's how they enjoy it right that's how they enjoy it and every generation enjoys things different than the last generation and so on and so on since the beginning of time. That's just how it goes. And there are uh, college fishermen that love to flip a jig with their graphs off. No doubt, man. No, listen, I meet them, you know, at the ABPs every weekend. I do those. I meet, I meet kids that are 18 years old that like to throw a square bill and kids that are 18 that are will beat your eyes out with forward facing. Like it's still to me, and I've said this many times on this show, but whatever bass fishing is to you. Just let it be that. It's okay. It's it's a beautiful sport in that if you want to just go out on Saturday morning, that's the only time you get because your job, your family, whatever, and throw a half-ounce chartreuse and white spinnerbait, no matter the water clarity, no matter the lake, and you just want to beat the brakes off the bank like that, and if you get a bite or not, you're good to go. That's your deal. Then go do it. That's the beautiful thing. And when you catch one, you'll smile ear to ear, just like somebody catches them on forward facing. Make it what you want it to. It's what's always been cool about this sport. If you're going to compete, though, understand <laughs> that you better embrace it right now but or you're going to get left behind more times than not because it is definitely playing. I, some of the most veteran guys, are there are two guys in the state of Alabama, Mark McKegg, Tim Hurst. Oh, yeah. McKegg's a uh, Coosa River. Well, Gunnersville, wherever. But, but, yeah. but yeah. Coosa, for sure. Yeah. Yes. And these guys are crankers, swim jiggers, you know, that Alabama swim jig deal, Coosa River swim jig thing. And he stood on stage next to me yesterday at 18 pounds, and he said, uh, yeah, we started in the middle of the river scoping and caught our first three that way and then finished out our limit cranking up shallow and cold a couple times. And it's like, and they're not spring chickens. 
no, no shout out Mark McKay. He knows I like to give yeah. him a hard time, but, but they're not. And it's like, dude, they're embracing it because they want to stay competitive. And they, they are two guys that when they pull up, you go, those guys are here because they've just, they've won everything twice in the state of Alabama. Uh, but I thought that was very interesting, man. So you, yeah. you adapt or die essentially in the sport. When did uh, it become more admirable to pull up boat to boat, 10, 12 boats at the tail races of a dam and fish like, and that's more pure than finding fish by yourself in the middle right. of the river. Let's go that. So it's like our moral compass is, is like, if you're turning your truck, yeah. like, we don't know. Is it, are you liking people to find their own deal off their own path? Or do you want them to just fish the popular areas if it's old school, you know? And so I'm like, I, I, I pay attention to everything. So I catch a lot of people in the comments. And I'm like, I remember shake master 22 you, I actually got you on my camera roll. I'll search my photos because your name will pop up. You, you know, it's the whole Maury thing. You are not the father. Actually, you are indeed a liar. You said this post dated, you know. Now, I, I always laugh that someone did shout out ABT. Someone came in our live stream yesterday because we were we were experimenting on YouTube live a little yeah. bit. Yeah. see him. Somebody said, hey, go over to the AP, ABT right now live. No one, no one's got their head down. And then someone said, hey, I went and checked hey, it out. I think they, they were like, I think they stopped streaming because it wasn't live anymore. And I was like, <laughs> what? I was up at 11. Yeah, take so that, that Bassmaster FS1. Kay Donaldson taking over the bass game, buddy. I did think that was funny. I did I see the ABT and I was like, someone said she will. I'm, I got to clip this and send it to her because she's going to love that so much. But I legitimately was watching below the dam trying to get out of everybody's way. I counted 30, 37 boats casting over each other and I was bored out of my damn mind. I wished I was watching somebody live scope. <laughs> I covered a college event in April at Pickwick. Oh, and, I remember that one. And so everyone was on the boulders catching spawn and smallmouth. And the old boys from Adrian, Nick Marsh, shout out Nick Marsh. I can't remember his teammate right now. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Nick Marsh fishing uh, right there where um, Coffee Slough and, yeah, and yeah. you know the, woodlands. the woodlands. Yeah. And, you know, Seven Mile Island freaking beating their brains and win the tournament i'm like i got a little bo dose of both so i don't know i think it's funny but i did I, I did respond to that guy and he was like abt is doing this and they're 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 not fishing with their head down and i think i said like thank you jeff we appreciate the heads up or something i commented to <laughs> thank you jeff if i wasn't live right now i'd tune in too but we're doing it let me i'm, I'm working kind of on tv right now dude i'm kind of kind of doing the big things uh i don't have time to watch my buddy luke sitting in his express got, eating yeah. peanut butter and crackers while he watches 37 people catch drum 37 luke, luke's a great talker he's not a great mimer so i can't listen to him if i have it muted because i'm live so i gotta like wait I gotta. <laughs> we did not on live it was uh and they blasted him yesterday it was like 11 bags over 20 and 28 one did gossip make it yeah two bass Cause he made it. He he said he had to leave Wachita early to make the meeting Friday. Yeah, and he I think they had a mechanical issue too yesterday, which is very uncharacteristic for Zeke and John. But yeah, uh, they had two bass. There were a lot of people that I picked to do well in the event. Uh, Kay and I do a podcast the week of the events, and none of them showed up. Basically, it was uh, it was very scopers. Yeah, yeah. Well, there was uh, it was Take not it one scoping. Second place was indeed scoping. Uh, twenty five pound bag 
on the lower end of the lake. But it was uh, 11 bags over 20, I think eight more over 19. I mean, it was Pickwick showed up in a big way in a miserable weather day, but on live uh, to defend Bassmaster, to uh, slide master 47 or whatever he says, no shake, shake master, uh, shake master underscore big fish money sign on YouTube. Um, I'm better than your dad at ol.com. We did not have a lot of fish catching going on the four hours we were on live. We were all freezing to death on the water. I think Darian had a couple, I had maybe two, and Jason Duran landed. He actually landed on the winner, eventual winners, and they caught a good one in front of him and they already had a bag. But you, you you've done yeah, the great 45 minute show. Rather, you know, like those, four you know, hours those, is tough. Yes. I started looking the Sabine like, River is tough for 28 hours, but that 45 minute show, son, we can pack it in right. those places. Get, Good. get those edits, son. Get those edits. I love it. Well, now that everybody is mad at us over those three little letters, I hope you've hung in because this uh, is gonna be a good last part. Yeah, look, the last part, this is actually what I want to talk to Ronnie about, but we we tend to go down rabbit holes and it's okay. And we're we have just trying to, we're just trying to bring two sides together. We're, ta- just, we're talking about technology, and then my technology fails. Big surprise. <laughs> Uh, so stoutest rookie class, in my opinion, in history, coming in very hot uh, from from JT Tompkins to Kyle Patrick to the obvious. I mean, I'm going to say one of the favorites going into Toledo Bend. I mean, it'd be hard to pick against Ben, I think. Right. Like, I, I think we all learned our lesson last year. I ate a lot, a big plate of crow on this show because I said a YouTuber would never be a pro. I've said that. I, that came out of my mouth. And uh, and that was more in reference to some other YouTubers. <laughs> Which you probably are absolutely right. correct on that. I was right. I was right on that. Uh, but Ben is. Ben is Ben. Ben I'm is, about to get a DM. DM. Yeah, no doubt. What did yeah. you just do? You made, getting, me, you made me say we're amen. All, <laughs> we're, we're all getting DMs. Uh, but but truly, like Ben, Toledo Ben's in his wheelhouse. I think Fork's going to be right there in his wheelhouse. He's got a lot of experience on both. Obviously won the Open on, on Toledo last year. So I think he's going to be one of those favorites. But out of this rookie class, without just going through all the dirt, who are you picking for rookie of the year? Who who's your pick? Put you on the spot, start the season, and we'll we'll do a recap at the end of the year, Dad Gummit, on Low Budget Live. <laughs> you sorry sucker. Oh, you're are you muted? You're muted. You're literally muted. I thought you were being I thought you were being I thought you were joking. Your mic's not working. I can't hear you. <laughs> I thought you your mic's not working. I thought you were kidding. I thought you were just like being non-committal. There you are. You're back. You got me. Yeah, I thought you were being non-committal. That was the greatest move of all time because you were like your mouth was moving. So for the folks listening to the podcast, Ronnie totally threw me a curve because I thought he was screwing with me. No, but I was trying to be so like I was trying to build the drama and hold the mic and tell you who I was I picking. Saw, and I, I saw who you said too, by the way. But oh, go ahead, and tell him again. <laughs> John Garrett. Yeah, that's that's uh he's right there to be my pick as well. I think it's also because he's an old man in a young man's body. He is he knows how to fish the other way, he knows how to fish, he knows how to fish always. All the way. And uh, you know, honestly, he's been duck guiding, so he didn't get to pre-practice everywhere like everyone else and their mother. But I think there's a lot of elite series pros who do well, not pre-practicing. So I think the one thing, and I say this not skill, you could have the top, you could have the nine rookies finish. 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, and AOI. Like, I don't know. They're all good. John has been through more adversity than any one of those people in the nine. And I think that's going to help him on the Elite Series. He's been so close to qualifying 
three or four years on the opens about to give up. No, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep it in there. And, uh, and then it pays off big time and he just, he gets on a roll. So we saw what his ceiling is possibly with how much of a role he was 18th place average last year. And he loses AOI because JT averaged 17th place average. Like so John is battle tested. Uh, he's had success in college. He won the 2016 college classic bracket, uh, dominated on Kentucky Lake before forward facing sonar. A lot of time spent on that place, new spots, new areas, and uh, had put in his time behind the graphs scanning, which is, you know, back in the day was apprehensive. Um, not to bring that, I'm not trying not to loop us back in. I could do it all day, but um, <laughs> but uh, I think John's John's been through the paces. I think that Toledo Fork, uh, Harris Chain, St. John's, Murray, Wheeler, Smith, Champlain, St. Lawrence. I think that he, I think he's going to be all right. I think he's going to be all right. All right, next question. I think we have like five rookies make the classic. We had seven this year. I think we have five. And we've got, I guess, like nine total, right? Coming in nine. Uh, right? ten. Ten Six. with the nation. Tim Doobie. Yeah, nation. Uh, I don't. Jordan know. Lee. He's a rookie. No, he's. A new guy. Yeah, who's that? Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, some kid, some kid from Alabama. He's an adult now. He was a kid on the elites. Now he's an adult coming back. He's he's an old man. He's the old man. I had Justin Lucas on the show last week and he talked about feeling like he was the old man now in his thirties. And he's like, there, I was a young gun and now I'm not anymore. Like I'm looking like, Hey, these kids, like he's shaking his fist at them. Uh, so angler of the year, you got Jay Lee coming back. You've got guys like Drew Cook that have been very close, in my opinion, fantastic uh, last few years. Kyle Welcher wins last year. He's not been far out of it every year that he's fished, I feel like. Patrick Walters has been in your mix over there all the time. You've got John Cox kind of floats in and out, it seems like. He's always in contention. Uh, Who wins Angler of the Year this year? Do we see a new name? Do we see somebody that's been close? What's it going to be? I think we see a new name that has – been close i think it is patrick walters he's my pick um it's hard to pick against him you know honestly it's hard to pick against him when he keeps doing what he's doing i'm looking up the aoi or i'm looking up the elite field list because i had a uh, an underdog i did i did a podcast with brian the carpenter and ken duke the other day and so i gave some picks and i can't remember who my underdog necessarily might have been oh i know i know who it was so i think patrick walters man we've talked about this in text I've said it on live, pre-forward sonar, bad dude. With forward <laughs> sonar, badder dude. Yes. And, um, you know, his stumble last year was his home lake, and he doesn't win AOI because of that. He's gotten a 16th in AOI his rookie year when he actually led AOI for half the season but sucked up north. He's figured out how to catch him up north. <laughs> yes, he's, yeah. had a, he's had a uh, third, fourth, fifth, third in the four following seasons. So he's 16th, third, fourth, fifth. And third, he's caught him in the fall, caught him in the spring, caught him offshore, caught him on the bank, caught him on a jig, as if you remember Lele. But um, so I think Patrick Walters will be close. I said, how do you set an over-under? Like if you were to get to gamble on where he'd finish, what would the over-under be set for him? And I asked Brian Brasher, I'm like, do you go three, four, five, three are his four finishes? And then he's got 16th. So is it like seven, nine? Like if he <laughs> – what's the line like are we doing five you know he said three finishes above five and you know i I was like so when you're setting an over under for someone in single digits it's a good shot they're gonna win another guy i think 
Lee Livesey. I think Livesey is going to be real good this year. He's got one in his backyard, less familiar with Toledo, but I'm very, you know, confident in him. I think he uh, did totally good, totally fine at Murray. I think that Smith's not – I think Smith's the one maybe concerned. Wheeler I think will be fine. Florida will be fine. And up north he's figured out smallmouth enough. So I think uh, Livesey's my dark horse AOI. Smith's going to be a problem for everybody, to be honest. Like that's the that is the turning point in y'all season for me. That's the asterisk event. I think everybody it's going to be the most interesting event to watch, in my opinion. I think that one is going to be. It's like the Sabine, just the drama that it adds, right? Like I think in the Angler of the Year race last year, Sabine's kind of where things started. To, I had Brandon Cobb on the show right before Sabine, and that's when things kind of started shaking up and getting crazy. And I think Smith will be that this year, leading into the Northern Swing. Like, I think that's that's Boat that. traffic. <laughs> I am going to do, uh, understand this, Ronnie Moore. If you guys are on live and you see me, mind your business. I'm going to be on the water. If this is my full plan. I'm going to be on a pontoon out there handing out bottles of water to the elite anglers and doing oh, like Marion and I. We're listen, it's going to be presented by y'all, sweet tea. It is happening. It is happening. It is happening. Trust me, you heard it here. That is happening. I will be in the chaos at Smith Lake at some point. Uh, classic pick man i'm putting you on the spot i like it classic pick grand lake i mean is it christy or again dude i can't i don't know that i can pick against a guy named ben milliken there to be honest and i know that's a lot but dude the pressure doesn't get to that guy i don't think he doesn't care doesn't i i you know you got to throw you know christy out with the wash like that's 1A for yeah. most people's predictions. You're not predicting anything by saying that. Not saying yeah, you. No, I'm no, saying no, people no, who no, pick no. Christie. Yeah, yeah. Um, just like I, they could say I'm not predicting anything for Walters for AOI. Like he hasn't won one, but he's been so close. It's like, oh, low, he's the next one in line. Um, I think uh, Stetson. Mm, okay. I like Stetson a lot in March Classics. He's gotten two top fives, Gunnersville and Hartwell. Uh, that's in his neck of the country, you know, this yep. Arkansas, Oklahoma yep. region. I wouldn't put it past him. Um, I also, I, I got two dark horse picks as well. I think this is Livesey's year. I've got him for AOY and I've got him as a dark horse classic. He's been in three classics, never been outside the top 15. So he's been there. He just hasn't had a shot to win one. Like there's been a little, he's been just a behind the the tier one of, mm-hmm. of you know, the top five in the tournament. Um, but Livesey top 15 and three classics that he's been in. I think he shows up for that. And I think Kenta, I think we got to keep an eye on Kenta. Kenta's from Japan, but Kenta is an Oklahoma grand Lake. That's where he lives and resides when it, when it comes time to put down roots and and hang out for a week or three days. Cause he fishes 900 tournaments a year. So whenever he does relax, he may relax at grand Lake. So um, yeah, Walters Livesey for AOI John Garrett for rookie of the year. Um, Five rookies make the classic next year. And then Stetson, Livesey, and Kenta for classic. Kenta is an animal. He is very underrated for bass fishing fans. I feel like Kenta is one of those dudes that just look at his opens resume. It's terrifying. Absolutely yeah. terrifying. The consistency that that dude puts up. Uh, Livesey, I was at the Express uh, Duck Camp back in December at the end of the year last year with with Lee and with Caleb and Billy Lowen. And Lee, it would not surprise me for this to be his 
just the year, like you're saying, just talking to him. There's just something different. I feel like, and he's, I don't want to say he's figured it out, but he is very confident, but I also feel like it's almost a calm confidence. If that makes sense. Um, just, just spending some time with him for a couple of days out there. I could see that. I could definitely see that being the case. This being his year. He just, my only advice to Livesey is another grown man. Like he's, he had done, no one needs to care about Ronnie Moore's advice, but don't let, don't let anger fester. Cause he may be a part of the old school. Like I could fish tournaments without forward facing. I could fish tournaments with it. I get frustrated that we're even talking about this. So don't let the frustrations build. If you're not catching him at someone nearby, like if he stays within himself, I think he's totally fine. But yeah, um Hammer, yeah. absolutely uh, yeah i do think I, I i'm not gonna list the guys who have immunity you know who has immunity but i do love how fans give immunity uh without even knowing they've given immunity to certain anglers who use forward-facing sonar they're like yeah all these guys are using forward-facing sonar except for you know these guys because they caught them without it and i'm like sorry i was a negative six years old and couldn't catch them back then like you know so i do think it's funny there was a couple guys who I use it like and that. were at the forefront of it and never get they get a pass it's the young dudes that really get hammered the worst hammered yeah if we see our sport implode and people stop participating we know why because if you went to your work every day and got blasted for it you would quit too, which is why I'm here for the long run because I get blasted every day at work by the fans, and I'm still here. We're good at it. You and I are good at that, buddy. Get on our level. You want to get in the comments? Get on our level. We're used and they don't even know it's me. I just I run the Bass YouTube, so I just I comment with at Bassmaster. Sorry. Now you told them. You told them. Somebody did say like they'll ask me a question. Somebody would be like, Ronnie, what's the water temp on like a YouTube comment? I'm like. 32 dash Ronnie. Like I let them know it's me. And then all the other comments, I don't say that it's me, but it's still me. <laughs> I see. Fish it, it, looks, it looks like we got, I'm actually going to start putting like dash Luke or like dash Kyle, <laughs> like so that people think there's multiple admins. And it's not just me. <laughs> Kyle Jesse under the bus at chase Anderson. Just his chase. Someone commented the other day and said like, stop with your orchestrated responses. Stop trying to protect Bassmaster. And I'm like, the handles Bassmaster, like it. I am. We are Bassmaster, and so it's like, what? You're not you to... fishing, but you're not. Bass fishing. <laughs> yeah, we we are not. We aren't bass fishing. Some saltwater, Ron. Saltwater, Ron. You should sell that to some of these saltwater people. You know, we aren't bass fishing. You should. They should use that. Yeah. They can have that for free. We are big blue marlin. <laughs> we, but we aren't. Yes, bass fishing. Yes. Ronnie Moore, everybody. I appreciate you, buddy. Man, coming on, you got to keep me. You got to clip this off and send it so I don't forget. I'm 30. I might forget my picks, but I, I'm pretty sure I've got. I've been consistent on. We did FS1 shows where me and Tommy talked about it, and I've done other podcasts, and I could throw out different things as my opinion changes, but I've locked it in. I've actually done something, and and the fans at home might want to. We'll see at the end of the year. And this isn't being a negative. This isn't being an overly positive thing. I took a rookie. I took a new guy back to the elites. Everybody can know who that is. And I took a guy who has been good but missed the classic. I took Milliken, Jordan Lee, and Chris Zaldane, and I put a sticky note, and I put their AOI finish before we even made a cast to see how close I get in my tournament. Just a, just a fun okay. guess. Just a fun thing. It's like fantasy fish, but I'm picking – I got this is where I think they're going to make it. And I think 
I got them all making the classic. I got them all making the classic. So don't get offended if you're not, but you know, I think that'd be a pretty good bet. I think, uh, and then, um, yeah, I'm excited. Me and Kyle, Jesse, gonna shoot a podcast tonight about fantasy fishing. Everything's back. Fantasy's back. Everything's back. I'm, I'm excited. We get to make our predictions. We get to see it live. The six we have live on day one, because we are live on day one, will be incredible. So it'll be fun. So you guys, you guys do live on day one. You're gonna do that traditionally. Okay. <laughs> I try, try to. God, dude, I just got out of church. You know you do, I feel you know so bad, do. but it's just where this is all flaffer. You know never, should, never. I'm not angry doing this. You know, what you, you know what you should do though, if you guys just want to get your social engagement up. Just hey, just hear me out on this, Bass. Uh, Laura, <laughs> Laura, yeah, Laura. Just act like you're going live, and then just don't for like two hours. <laughs> They'll be typing so fast, dude. We'll try to, uh, yeah. We'll see if we can look like a live chat comments. Look like OnlyFans. I uh, don't worry. I was watching that from afar, and I was like, "Lord bless them." They didn't make any of those decisions. They didn't make any of those calls. <laughs> and boy, they got to deal with the the upper people telling them it's called shrapnel, bud. <laughs> you, just, you just get hit by shrapnel, and we've all been there too, right? You, me, everybody involved. Sometimes people make decisions. Push them to score tracker. Just push them to score tracker. Just. Push them to photo galleries. I've been there. I've been there. Sometimes decisions get made, and I go, "Yeah, I don't know if I'd agree with this." And then, and then you get at Luke Duncan. Why is MPFL doing this? And I'm like, I don't own it. <laughs> I do love when we take a one hour break every day of competition for eternity to eat a, <laughs> a quick lukewarm sandwich. a lukewarm sandwich. Yes. Warm up a cookie that's been on the counter for three weeks. They treat us great here, Bass. I'm just, I'm just making, I'm hyperbole here. Yes. We, go, we go warm up our turkey sandwich and we eat for an hour and we figure <laughs> out what we're going to do this next three hour show to make it fun. And people are like, is live broken? I'm like, we literally said, we will see you in an hour. And it ends like you were watching that. You heard us say, we'll see you in an hour. Why are you asking if live's broken? We're, we're, tr- we're going to come back. Ricky, my audio, my audio engineer doesn't have a second string he's the only he's the only string he's first string he's got to go pee let ricky go pee in peace please let us let us eat our sandwich ricky. let us go pee in peace and we'll be good ricky my man ricky you'll lay off ronnie in the we, comment we are trying our best to make the sport of fishing yeah, teachable grow it um have a place for those who we've grown it to to go and land i have i love the opens going to each day of open this week at Washita to interview people was hectic. I could have stayed home and we could have did the show without all my interviews, but I enjoyed doing them because I love this sport. Bass loves this sport. No matter what you say, no one's, we've never had a meeting where we're trying to take people off. So I'm super excited for what's to come this year. We're going to navigate it. We're going to, we're going to figure it out, but we're going to try to bridge the gap. We're going to try to teach generation to generation we're going to have the AA meeting. Everyone's anglers anonymous. We're all going to sit in the room and we're all just going to hash out our problems. You know, we're just going to figure it out. I'm here for it, buddy. I'm here for it. We're going to combine all this one of these days. It's just going to be kumbaya, right? Keep doing what you're doing. DW, you got 16th in the first one. That's not a bad finish, but I picked you for AOI. We need you to step it up. David Williams has got to step it up. He's got to step it up at the next event at Harbaugh. One of the best three-day anglers in the history of three-day Ever, events. dude. Ever. He's such an animal. Such just an like animal. Tharp. So shocked Tharp struggled at Washington. I was too, man. I was Bum, too. B-Height come in with three on day one. I was like, dang. Ish is catching them, though. Ish is in the qualification. 
It's just catching up. And young Dakota Ebear. Better one. Tough. Yeah, hey, what about old Father Guilty? Listen, dude, Dope hey. is going to be fun this year. Lots Good. of action going on. Going to be another coming up. Class. Another rookie class is going to be exactly. Stupid. Exactly. Stupid. Good. Ronnie Moore, I always appreciate your time on LBL. Thanks, Luke. Difficulties. Thank you, brother. Yeah, of course. See you on live. First, yeah. they're going to be yes. day one, Thursday. Day one, Thursday. Ronnie Moore, everybody. See y'all. All right. That's all she wrote with Ronnie, Ron Dog, Bassmaster Ron, Saltwater Ron, Ronnie Moore there. Appreciate him taking time out of his day to join us to talk a little, talk a little shop there with uh with the Bassmaster season upon us. And we've got all this forward facing sonar craziness. And I, I just love picking his brain on all that. So I appreciate Ron. Shout out Ron for uh for coming on and, and hey go uh not that they need the help not that they need the help at all but go check them out bassmaster elite the next two weeks man toledo ben and lake fork i can assure you there'll be some daggum snatching going on at those events we also got bass pro tour at santee cooper going on if you uh if you're in if you're into it go check that out there's lots of bass fishing to catch this week forgot to mention that earlier in the show uh all right i'm gonna take you out with some Bluxy blues remember Remember, you'll probably hear Biloxi Blues live if that's just something that your heart's just always wanted. March 23rd, Tulsa, Oklahoma, the Hunt Club is where it's going down. Let me get this thing pulled up here. Take y'all out with this Biloxi, and I'll see y'all. Hey, let's do a live one week from today, the 26th. Let's kick off. Let's end February with a live podcast, okay? Let's end it with a live February 26th, a Monday night the audio version will drop the next day. How about that? Let's do a live February 26th. Hold me to it. All right. Bluxy Blues, and we're out of here. See you. From Jackson Town to Tupelo, I never could make it last. Spanish Moss, a Civil War ghost. Well, I'm going to leave them in the past. Any direction, Lord, I'll be fine. It don't matter east or west. North, south, wherever the wind blows, I'm leaving those burdens in rest. This highway, it does not know my name, and I don't care, no, I don't care. Heading my way for another place, and I got three good tires and a spare. Just a white line gypsy getting out of Mississippi with just enough gas to keep there.